Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. How are you doing today, Jay? I am having a fabulous day. I'm sitting here like you. I have many, many beverages around me currently. Mm -hmm. It takes at least four to five different beverages to do this podcast, just so y'all know. Yeah, it really does. And I mean, it was early in the morning, so we won't tell you necessarily what they are, um, but there are many different beverages around us. So if you are feeling... um, dehydrated maybe you should come and hang out with us yes tea lacroix coffee water all the things all the things um so i meant to be telling you that i'm doing this thing with my cousin my cousin nadine shout out um we'll see if we can get her onto the show I come from a very magical family, but it manifests in each of us very differently so my cousin nadine she is a channeler And she does this thing. And it's so funny because at first I was like real skeptical because, you know, me and this podcast and everything, we're very old school. We don't do any of this sort of like new age crystal stuff, but that's her, that's her whole world. And she does this stuff called light language, which at first I was like, what is this? Like what's happening here? Because you know, there's speaking in tongues involved. And so at first I'm coming into this like real skeptical, but I'm watching a video of her doing this on YouTube Mm -hmm. and she starts to do it. And I can feel through the video that stuff is shifting and moving around. Like energy is being moved and unblocked and it's all swirling around. So I'm like, that was my first indication that I was like, okay, homegirl is on to something here. Like something is happening and I don't know what it is. So it was actually after you were talking to me about um, getting a spirit court reading. Right. I actually contacted her and I was like, hey, is this something that you do? And she's like, she's like, no, but I do something different. She does something called quantum hypnosis. Interesting. And and again, yeah. And again, I was like, I, I don't, I don't know if I believe in any of this or whatever. No, I swear to God, I had my first session yesterday and it's fixing my entire life. Okay. I think I need to give this a shot. And it's honestly, she's not very expensive at all either. And it's, it's real work. She just like, as you just basically lay down for like an hour or two hours and she tells you a story and like kind of guides you through all this stuff. And it's kind of like a really intense guided meditation, Mm -hmm. but she's, her intuition is so eerily spot on. Like she's describing what I look like as a kid and her and I didn't know each other as children. Um, We didn't find each other until we were a little bit older. And like, she knew things like, oh, well, when you were a child, somebody told you this and it caused this to happen. And I was like, oh, my God, they mm-hmm. absolutely did. Like she knew things and you, I could feel her kind of like moving through my energy body and like fixing stuff. Ooh. It is amazing. So that sounds fascinating. if you can find the fascinating fairy on Instagram, that is my cousin and homegirl is legit. Cool. That is awesome. I've not really done much of that work before. I went to a festival in Eugene, Oregon, 
where all the hippie shit takes place. I was going to say, I'm like, that's a great opener for this story. Right. And Eugene Oregon, <laughs> right? And um, I had somebody do an energy reading on my body, like my chakras and whatnot, and had me stand in like this really busy room. It was back before COVID when there could be large, large gatherings of people. And it was like super busy and bustling, but she was able to create this space where it was like everything around us just slowed down. And she read my chakras and like said that my throat my throat chakra. And then like, I guess like the very lowest, my lowest chakra, mm-hmm. one that I guess would be connected to earth. I don't know anything. The about. root chakra, the root chakra. Thank you. Were the two that were like out of balance. And I was like, you're, you're right. They are. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. Right? Yeah. And she said that I needed to get more into my throat chakra and like use my voice. So here I am on this podcast. This is perfect. Right? But it's still yeah, podcasting is perfect for that. It is, but it's still like still scary, scary to like embody my uh, throat chakra. Ah, but it's good. It's good, and you're doing wonderfully. Thank you, thank you. So yeah, so that's my weird trip into hippy dippy land, and I'm loving it. Yeah, it definitely sounds like some Western Oregon hippie stuff. Yes, but it's healing me, and I hopefully we can have her on. She can explain it to us, and we can see if we can follow it. Um, but no, it's it's legit. And as someone as skeptical as I am, she has made a believer out of me. So I am here for it. And she's the fascinating fairy on Instagram? Yes. Okay, cool. All right. I'm writing that down. Awesome. Okay, so y'all, we're going to get a little creepy today. And we're going to get weird. It's going to get kind of weird today. We're going to talk about humans who are not human and people who are not people. This is a very odd subject, but that's exactly why I wanted to talk about it. Because when, when we do witchcraft and we, you know, really embody the witch, we have to understand that the world is a lot different than just the mundane reality that most people are faced with. When you end up, you know, really embodying the witch, really getting into this world, you realize that we share this space with so many different creatures. And sometimes they look just like people. And that's what ends up being terrifying. And you may have had a encounter with someone like this. Um, If you have not, I hope you never do because it's a terrifying experience. But when it does happen, it is unmistakable. And so know that if you have had this happen to you, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm already getting chills thinking about it. And yeah, when you come across people who aren't people. It, earlier, Jay and I were talking about this, like what the feeling is in the body and like paying attention to what your body is saying to you. There's like your logical brain is like, oh, yes, this is a human being and I'm going to interact with them like they are a human. Yet there's this other part of you that is like oh no, this is not a human. This is scary. Must run away. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's this odd thing that happens where like with your eyeball, you're looking at this thing and you're like, oh, this is definitely a person. It looks like a person, you know? And a lot of the times they don't look super strange, but even though you're looking at them and and your brain is registering this as a person, your animal instinct underneath that suddenly start screaming at you like something is wrong. That is not a human. 
And that's where the fear really comes in because your, your animal instincts kick in as danger. Like this is, this is a thing that you need to be concerned about, um, which creates a lot of confusion with people because they're like, no, I'm looking at this. This is a person, but everything else inside of them is like, no run, not a person. So if you've come across this, I want you to know that you're definitely not alone. So one of uh, my most favorite podcasts is a podcast called Astonishing Legends. And one of their very, very early episodes, I want to say it was like their second episode, is titled The Devil in the Diner. And this episode is an interview with a woman named Paula Pell, who, if you are kind of a fan of sort of the SNL 30 Rock um, sort of area of comedy, she's very big in there. She does, I think, a lot of writing. Um, She's a comedian. She was in the new movie Wine Country with like pretty much that whole crew. She was the blonde who just had the new knees put in, if you've been watching it. But she tells a story about it being very late at night and her and I think her sister or a friend of hers were in a diner in New York. And she had this happen to her where some, we'll just say person, some thing walks in and she's like, I just knew right away. And as soon as I looked at it, I just knew this is not a person. And she's like, and she's like, you know, living in New York my entire life, you 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 meet people who are on drugs, you meet people who are crazy, you meet people, you know, who've been living on the streets forever and stuff like that. You meet very odd people. And she's like, this was not that. She's like, this was someone mm-hmm. who was not a person. And then she kind of like didn't know how to talk about it, but then he like went into the bathroom and came back out. And then the person she was with saw him and was like, Oh my God, what is that? And so it's something, again, it's very rare, but it does happen out there. And so if you are listening and you want to send us your story, definitely please do because we want to know about it, but this stuff is out there. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of our stories and we're also going to talk about what we think they might be. And if there's any protections against that too. Yeah, like stepping into that, you should always like if you're practicing witchcraft, you should just always have a layer of protection on. But like really what to do afterwards, because I feel like there's a cleanup that needs to happen after Mm -hmm. you. And if you have an interaction with this, like, I don't want to say non-human. I also don't want to say thing. I don't know what kind of word I would use for it. I would say, yeah, like a non-human human. How about that? A humanoid. Humanoid or something of that nature. Yeah. So who wants to go first with our stories? I think you should go first. Okay. Because I'm really curious. Oh, yeah. You haven't heard this story, have you? No, not yet. Okay, cool. So it's pretty simple. What happened? And the interaction wasn't even like that crazy, but it was the feeling, like really paying attention to the body. So... Story is, I was with my then boyfriend, and he and I were looking for a place to live. We were looking for an apartment or like a home to find whatever. So we're cruising Craigslist, looking at all these listings and whatnot, and we find this super unique property. This was outside of Eugene. So if you're familiar with Eugene, Oregon, lots of hippies, lots of really unique buildings and structures and like old hippie compounds and whatnot. So that's kind of what we found. And from the photos, it looked like a really unique hand-built house. So we start communicating with the person who's going to be renting it. And we get in contact with their daughter. The person who owns the place, it's their daughter. 
And their daughter was like very kind, very open, almost um, fawning over us in a way, kind of like trying to pull us in. Oh, I hate it. (laughs) Right. So my then boyfriend during that time, he has a Pisces moon and Pisces moon people are super sensitive, like super psychically sensitive folks. And I love Pisces moon people. So we pull up to the house. It seems okay. And the outside of it's kind of like the front of it was interesting. It had a bunch of beautiful uh, tiles and whatnot. And it was right along a a river. So it had this like drop off. And then there was like the river. So we meet the gentleman. And at first it seemed okay until we stepped into the house. And the house was literally made of trash oh like it was if the city had found out he was trying to rent it they would shut him down and they would probably have raised the building he had a hot tub that was perched on the edge of the um river like it like there was like a deck out there and he was like both of us tried to step out onto the deck he's like oh no no do not step out onto the deck together. He's like one at a time. It can't handle more than one person. Oh no. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. It was a really weird, creepy house built of trash. And he kept talking about like how he, he takes care of his tenants and like, it's not some third world country stuff. It was very strange. So we like walk around the periphery or not the periphery, but like the inside of the house, like in a big circle. And we come into his bedroom. That's where it gets. He brought you into his bedroom? Yes. No. He had an altar to Carlos Castaneda. Yes. All of his books. And he had his passport laid out with a crystal on top of it. And I just got this like flash in my head of like, I don't really want to describe it here because it's very graphic and not appropriate for the air. In short, it was really a disgusting image that I got in my head when I looked at his altar. And it was then when we were in his room that he began to look at my partner with this like hunger in his eyes. And I realized like the way that we were all standing, I was standing kind of in front of my partner and I went into like protective mode and I could feel that this gentleman who was trying to rent this house to us wanted to eat my partner, like literally wanted to consume him. And that was when it like clicked into my head and we continued walking around the property and like my partner gave me this look and I nodded and I was like, okay. And we we continued along with the niceties. But while we were in his bedroom, that was the space. Because, like, the bedroom is such an intimate space. Like, that's where you're, you're most vulnerable. And I feel like you can truly see mm-hmm. a person um, in this context. And as soon as we, like, uh, most unfortunately shook his hand, we, like, my partner and I looked at each other and we just like beelined it straight to the truck and he peeled out. And as we were driving away, my partner like started hyperventilating. He's like, I feel sick. 
He's like, I feel really sick. And I was like, yeah. And we were both like, we had no words. We were just like, what the fuck happened? Like, what the fuck was that? And by all accounts, by somebody like looking, you know, outside in would have been like, yeah, that was a completely normal human being interaction. But this guy was not, Mm -hmm. he was not a human. He was a predator and he wanted to like consume. That is so freaking weird. And you're right. There is this thing that happens after you meet them where suddenly like all this adrenaline suddenly hits too. Like once you like, are actually in that escaping place, it all kicks in of the, the the run, 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 that intense adrenaline, that hyperventilation thing. Like after I meet with one of them, I'm shaking for a good hour afterwards. Right. Well, yeah, it's like you want to be polite because you're interfacing with what looks like a human being. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, but, but they're a human. I have to be nice to them. I can't be like, you're some weird creature person who wants to eat my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, Um, yeah. So in my whole like the imagery that I was getting from him, he would like periodically take off to South America, this gentleman. And I just knew that he was some sort of I don't want to use the word vampiric Mm -hmm. because it felt very much like it felt fleshy. I don't know how to just. I really don't know how to. It wasn't a blood thing. It was actual like eating a thing. The consumption of, of humans. And um, yeah, we like fled. We sped home and immediately I just like sprayed him down with Florida water. And I had some Mm -hmm. red cedar wood incense sticks and I just like smoke bombed him. We spent the whole evening just like washing it away, washing it away getting it off you and then that is so yeah and then after that his daughter this gentleman's daughter was kind of like his his minion in a way she texted both of us for days after that being like we both really liked you and we really feel like you'd be a good fit will you please come back are you interested in this place will you please come rent rent with us and we're like "Uh uh-uh no that is so scary that they kept trying to like contact you and she kept trying to get you back over there. No. Yes, and the way that the gentleman spoke about his daughter, he was like, she's such a simpleton. She's so like easy to manipulate. And I just have her do all my work for me. And I was like, what the heck even? Why would you talk about your daughter like that? That is. Yeah. Why would you even say that? That's not a normal. No. Thing. So I was like, this is your like minion who you are sending to do your bidding and like lure people in because you are very creepy because you're not a human being. Oh, no, I hate it. I hate it. And I wonder too, like if we were to meet her, if she would be one of them as well, because it's like. So there's there's a bunch of theories and and we'll kind of get into this later about, you know, what these things are. And I do think that there's a variety of kind of non-human humans that are out there. Um, But someone kind of posed it to me this way. She's like do you think it's a Wendigo or like a Wendigo? Um, Because it it depends on kind of where, where your story version of the story you get is. But in a lot of these cultures that believe in something like, like a Wendigo, it's believed that it's something that you turn into after you have been forced through, you know, necessity to 
taste the flesh of another human. So basically, when people were forced to resort to cannibalism, those people afterwards, it was said, um, would be afflicted with this great hunger, this never ending hunger that they could just never have enough. And so they would just consume and consume and consume. And it's believed in some of these cultures that this is then passed down Mm. to their children. And so even if their children or their offspring down the line haven't actually had to resort to cannibalism, they still carry this sort of weird, all-consuming need to eat, which like is part psychological. So um, I had to do this report on this awful, awful book in high school. The the book is called Alive. It's a very well-known book. It's about the uh, soccer players Mm. who are stranded in the Andes. Their plane went down and then they were stuck there through winter and they ran out of food very quickly and they had to eat each other. Right. And so after they were rescued, this they started to realize that there was some weird shit going on with these people. So like they were taken to a hotel for like a press conference. And in the hotel, there was a restaurant. And so it was like maybe like two, three days after they had been rescued. And they're like, you know, you have to come out and see the media and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, tell your story. And on their way to the press conference, as they're walking through the hotel, there was like, I want to say like 14 of them or something like that, that had survived. And as they're walking through all of them without hesitation or like speaking with each other, just see the restaurant and turn and go in and sit down and then begin ordering and ordering and ordering. And they were like, it, I remember this part in the book where they're like, it was terrible. Like they would eat and eat, throw up and then eat and eat and eat, then throw up and then eat and eat, which is, I honestly, after being something, being through something like that, where food is so scarce that you have to eat other people, mm-hmm. uh, you would definitely have major food trauma, oh, yeah. like scarcity, like I might never see this again, sort of stuff going on. So I, I do think that these stories are are part psychological, but also what does that do to you? What does that do to your DNA? What does that do to your soul? Like that you then pass on to people. Right. Especially the DNA part, because that changes. Yeah. With that trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Ooh, that's sketchy. Especially you talking about how like, it wasn't just like, I want to suck your blood or like feed on your energy, but it's very like meaty. Like- yeah. Like from head to toe, he just kept looking him up and down. And like, I was like really hoping that I wasn't the only one in the room noticing that. <laughs> like, I hope mm-hmm. you see this too, babe, but <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> None of this is okay. Like- yeah. It, yeah. It was one of the most strange experiences I've ever had. And like, that was the only experience I had where I interacted with and like, shook hands with a non-human human being Mm -hmm. and i've seen them on buses like Mm -hmm. when i rode public transit for years in portland oregon i would occasionally encounter somebody but it was always in passing and i'd always just be like do not fucking sit next to me you are not sitting next to me on this bus (laughs) yeah like I've come across them like in, in grocery stores and things like that. Like in, in Portland, I definitely came across more of them. I've in my life, I've probably come across about four or five of these for sure. And what's weird is when you know, they know you know. Oof. And that's that's the weird part. So like I was in a Safeway once, just minding my business. We're just like going through there. 
and there was this guy and I felt him first and I didn't even look, but I caught, like, I kind of locked onto him in my, in my periphery because I, I felt that, that feeling, that, that danger feeling. So I kind of locked onto him out of my periphery and he was kind of like doing like this weird thing with his hands, like on his, um, on his shopping cart, kind of like, I don't know. It was like this weird sort of like clicky thing that he was doing on it. And he was looking away, but as soon as I kind of locked onto him and I didn't look, but I, I could see him as soon as I kind of locked onto him, he immediately like whipped around and like zeroed in on me too. And that's when I was like, Nope, gotta go. Bye. <laughs> We're out. We are out. But you're right. On like public transportation, you get so much. And again, there's there's a very big difference between someone who's like mentally ill mm-hmm. and someone who is not a person because you run into both on public transit. Mm-hmm. And so you can definitely feel that. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of folks that you run into on public transit for sure. But there's just like this. It's really an indescribable feeling. You just know it's like your instinctual mm-hmm. animal self kicks in and you're like, fight or flight. Like, you're either going to fight here or yeah. I'm going to, like, run away. Run away. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because we were sort of talking about this earlier, how when it comes to public transportation, as as a psychic person who kind of, you know, sees some of this stuff differently, there was a big tendency for me to be just sitting on a bus and I always sat in the very back in a corner with my headphones on so that nobody would be around me. But sometimes you would watch people get onto the bus or onto the Max or whatever, and something else would get on with them, something that they were carrying around with them. Mm-hmm. And I remember once, too, this person got on, and I remember I kind of nudged my now husband. You know, we, we were then we were married, but um, but I was like, there's something with this guy. And, and, and of course it's hard to identify exactly what it is as with them because there's so much stuff on the other side that we just don't have language for, but it's just like this big black mass that just kind of followed him on. And I'm like, I don't like whatever is what's, whatever's happening there. And so this guy kind of takes a seat and out of all the people on that bus, he's the one that starts like acting up on the ride too. <laughs> and my, my husband who was my, my boyfriend then was like, was like how did you know and i'm like i keep telling you i'm psychic but um, but no it's not uncommon for these people who either are like afflicted with these addictions or or afflicted with with these big mental health problems or whatever that it's not actually an addiction or a mental health problem it's it's something that has taken hold of them or or has been influencing them because those behaviors feed whatever this thing is that's attached to them right Um, which is also very messed up to come into contact with. Yeah. I think of them as like husks and Mm -hmm. you can, if you're like, this is difficult to describe. So I'll just describe it for myself. If I'm allowing myself to go through um, circular thought loops around my anxiety or like depression and like clinging to that identity, I notice that it attracts a certain spiritual energy that feeds off of that. And if I'm not mindful, it can kind of grow into a bigger monster. Now, I am not saying that, you know, spiritual practices are a replacement for mental health therapies and whatnot like that. Mm-hmm. This is just my own personal experience. 
But I do notice that. And I do wonder sometimes if like, this is like a person, like if you see them getting on the bus and they have a giant black shadow behind them, if that is something that has like gotten far, far out of control, because like, I do Mm -hmm. believe that like what energy we put out, it's not that we, I don't believe in the threefold law where it like comes back to us three times (laughs) greater or whatever. But I do believe that what we put out, it does attract certain energies. And like, that's why we do cleansing and protection work Mm -hmm. is to make sure that we're like good and clean and like keeping all of those like pesky buggers at bay. But that's interesting. Yeah. I do kind of like view it as like a husk of something that's just Mm. hungry, hungry, hungry. Or like a, like a sock puppet person. Like it's got its hand up inside of you and is like, do these things. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is really gnarly to think about. Um, So when, when you were talking about feeling this guy wanting to eat your, your partner at the time, and you were kind of going to that, that sort of protection mode, did it seem like they were aware of your energy doing that or trying to kind of go around it or? Oh yeah. They knew that I was a big, like a big roadblock. So my partner is a Libra sun or was rather, we're no longer together is a Libra sun with a Pisces moon, super soft, like beautiful energy there, but not a lot of protection. And here I am, Aries sun, moon, Mercury, and Venus with a Mars and Taurus. And I'm like, fuck with me and find out. Yeah. <laughs> like I went into the immediate protection mode and like constantly was putting my body in front of this, this non-human human person. What was that thing you posted earlier today? Like to fuck around as human. What was it? To find out as divine. <laughs> to fuck around as human, to find out is divine. It's true. It's true. Yeah, fuck oh, around God. and find out with that Aries energy. Oof, yeah, but that that's a very strange and very uncomfortable feeling because especially mm-hmm. as people who are adept at sensing energy and building, you know, energy walls and stuff like that, it's not common that we come across things that are not only going to challenge those boundaries, but also actively sort of seek to find weak spots in them, things like that. So when you come across it and you can feel it happening, it's very, very unnerving. It is very unnerving, but also at the same time, there's like this part of me and maybe it's just my area's energy. I get very curious. I'm like, okay, what is this about? <laughs> let's fuck around and You want to play, bitch? Yeah, let's play. Right. <laughs> You want to play? I'll, we'll see where the hell this one right? goes. Oh, God. Okay, so I have not yet heard this story, but we were talking earlier about what you have, what your story is about. And you were like, okay, really got to like set the stage here that this story is like super creepy. I'm so yeah. curious. Okay, so... I, I've, I've realized that with this story. So for me, with the life I, I lead, I come across really weird and scary shit all the time. So I'm very desensitized to these things. And I have learned that I really need to give warnings before this, um, especially this story. I don't like to tell it very often, especially in very public places like this, because I, I am a little half freaked out that this person is going to then like, find me or hear it or something. Mm-hmm. So if if you are sensitive, scared easily, if the story that Britain just told has really had you freaked out, you might want to skip this story. Um, I, I have had people who I've either told this story to or told the story around them. 
And they have expressed that they really wish I had not told them. So I'm, I'm just going to throw that out in the beginning, right off the bat. All right. I have my bag of popcorn ready to go. Let's You're going to get this. snacking on it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So here this goes. So this was, this was years ago, years ago. I want to say this was maybe like six years ago. I had been asked by a local group in kind of the Portland, lower Washington area to come to their kind of spiritual group. It wasn't necessarily a church. It was kind of like church for people who didn't like church. They kind of like sang some songs about nature and like talk about interesting spiritual stuff. And they like to have guests who would come in and talk to them about different things. So I, I had been asked to go there and talk about witchcraft. And so I'm like, cool, yeah, I'll, I'll show up there and give a talk about witchcraft. And, you know, the, the lady who kind of was the reverend there would interview me about it. Um, and I had noticed this guy. I had kind of clocked him when he had walked in, um, but we didn't have any contact. And I'm up there in front of everybody. You know, I've got a microphone and we're chit-chatting and um, talking about witchcraft. And, and then she opens it up for questions from the audience. And immediately, again, out of my periphery, I see this hand in the very back shoot up. And I know mm-hmm. it's from him. And so I'm like, okay. And I call on him. I'm like, what's your question? And he goes, well, this is, this is kind of a, an interesting question for you, but I'm real, real curious to find out. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, I was receiving a psychic reading from someone who identified as a light worker a while ago. And he said, this weird thing happened where she was getting ready to go. We were on the phone and she said, okay, let me tune in to your energy and see, you know, what, what we see there, what finds out, you know, all this light worker stuff. And he tells me in front of everybody, he goes, she then began to panic, told me, I know what you are, never contact me again, and then hung up the phone. And he looks me dead in the eye across the room and goes, do you know what I am? My God. I about shit my pants. And I'm in front of everybody. And of course, everybody, the entire room, all their heads swivel from this dude in the back to me. And I'm like, my heart's racing. I'm like, but he's on the other side of the room. So I'm feeling like, okay. But I just went. And because, you know, of course, I'm trying to be professional. I'm trying to do all this stuff. I don't want to get into this because I I already have a pretty good feeling that I know what he is. So I just go, that's a great question. Would you mind seeing me after this? And I'll let you know. And he's like, yeah, okay, sure. So. I should have honestly, looking back at this, I should have been like, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. And like ran away. However, again, I was curious about it. I'm like, you know, this is possibly my only chance to actually confront one of these and see if I can find out. So I go through the rest of the class. Like I teach them how to make a sigil, answer their questions about, you know, oh, my grandma was a witch. What does that mean? Blah, blah, blah. So it ends. Of course, kind of like people sort of mob you and have more questions and want to tell you about something or other. And so I kind of like sit with all these people for a while. And I realize that he's just kind of lurking and just kind of waiting in the back. And so I'm like, okay, cool. And like my my paranormal team is there and my paranormal team is made up of mostly psychics. 
and, and they're, they're all like, bro, like, don't go talk to him. Like there, there's something weird They're They're all like, something is, is fucked up, but I've already told him, you know, people around, people are watching. And of course I've always been, I, I, I don't know if you can really label yourself as brave. I, I've always kind of been very boneheadedly brave where it's kind of like, maybe this is something I shouldn't be doing, but I'm still going to do it anyway, because I, I said I would, or I made a promise or it's my duty or it's always noble, but it's always very boneheaded. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go talk to this guy. I'm going to be right back. So I go over the stand with him and we're like, kind of like outside out front at this point. And my paranormal group is kind of like in like a little huddle, not very far from us. And I'm talking to him by myself over there. And I come up to him and he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm real curious to hear your answer on what you think I am. And I'm like, at this point, there's no beating around the bush. So I just look him dead in the eye and I said, I think you're an extraterrestrial. I think you're an alien. And the most fucked up smile came out of his face. Like this big, toothy, like he was really proud of me. Yeah. See, even Doggo in the background, she's like, yeah, (laughs) creepy. She's like, no, bro. (laughs) So yeah, no, I'm like, I'm like, I, I think you're an alien. And he gives me this big, nasty smile. And then it gets worse. He then tells me about how he came to get here. He says, the little boy died when he was eight. He was going through surgery. And when he died, I arrived and then grew up as him. So he's talking about this. There was a little boy somewhere who like died momentarily during surgery. And then that's when he arrived in this boy's body. Oh my gosh. And took it over. And I'm like, be cool, be cool, be cool. And I I have a pretty good poker face. But while he's telling me this, I can feel these weird tentacly energy things coming out of him towards me. And as I'm listening to him very calmly, I'm building this big psychic wall in between it. But the harder I try to build the psychic wall, the more amused he seems. Oh, like he, like it's really fun for him. Yeah. And I'm like, and even like my like psychic people who were nearby were like, I did not like you talking to him at all. They were like, it seemed dangerous. But he knew that I was putting up like protections to stop him. And I could, again, sort of feel like his weird tentacly energy kind of like poking around at like the edges and the perimeters and stuff like that. And he goes on to tell me about how, um, you know, yeah, like I arrived when the boy was like eight. He died in surgery. Um, And then I was one of the most psychic kids that they had ever seen. And I was like, and this he, he was an older guy. And I'm like. I'm like, well, like, what, what do you mean that they had ever seen? He goes, oh, he's like, well, the military had tested me. I was part of, it was like a later version of the Stargate project. So the Stargate project was when the military was messing around with like psychic warfare, mm-hmm. um, psychic spying, things like remote viewing. But he was brought in to be tested as like a later version of that. And he was like, and I was, they would do the the cards, um, I can't remember what the cards are called, but the, the ESP cards with the like the circle or the plus sign or the waves or and be like, you know, what's the symbol on this card? What's the symbol on this card? He'd be like, I'd get every one of them right. But if I would be wrong, I would throw a fit. Like he he gave me like this big, long story about what it was like to be like one of them growing up in it. And I'm like, 
Okay, cool. Um, you know, it, it was good seeing you, Suchin. Um, gotta go. <laughs> and then I just bounced. But you're right. Like after meeting something like that, you're like, <gasps> like run away. Just the yeah, the immediate panic as soon as you get out of there. Like I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Like I gotta like it's like drinking a pot of coffee after you leave. Right. Yeah. Just like an adrenaline rush. R- right when you said like before you even said I could feel his tentacles, I was like it's tentacles. Like I just yes. knew. Oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, they have this weird tentacly energy and it's like, it's sort of a part of them, but also it's not at the same time because it has like this crazy long reach. But no, it was very strange. And to just straight up, not only have him not deny it, but then give me more information on top of it. Right. And then take, was really messed and up. then take pleasure in him literally pushing your boundaries. Yeah. Oh gosh. And he seemed so happy when I said... I think you're an alien. It, it was it was almost like he wanted to give me an award. Oh, yeah, because he felt seen. Oh, buddy. Yeah, he was just like, ah, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. And like, the thing is, too, is like, I, I've come across people that I feel like are aliens before, but I, I find that there are, there are two different kinds. Mm-hmm. I find that there are people who don't know that they're aliens. And they tend to be like the good ones. Mm-hmm. But then the ones that are bad or very scary no because they seem to arrive later and on purpose whereas the ones that are kind of aliens that are born here on earth now we're getting real weird and fringy with it Mm -hmm. um seem to not know or not have memory of it but the ones that are very scary and seem to be bad seem to have recollections of arriving they seem to be very aware of what they are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right Yeah, I don't have too much experience with that. And I mean, I'm sure maybe I've probably run into an alien or two here on Earth. But Definitely in the Portland area. (laughs) Absolutely. Stuff's pretty weird in Portland. And I mean, I don't even mean to say that as in like air quotes, keep Portland weird. It just is. There's some strange stuff that goes on there. Yeah, wherever you have a lot of people, strangeness will kind of congregate around it. Right. And and I want to say, too, because people then sort of mistake what I'm talking about and then just send me really like all these pictures of like weird people who just look like aliens, that they're they're just unfortunate looking and kind of have like enormous heads or whatever. And they're like, this is an alien person. And I'm like, I'm like, no, they normally look very normal. I'm like, they don't look like alien people. Yeah. Like. So like the gentleman, make no mistake, the gentleman that I encountered, he looked like a school teacher, mm. like slack sweater, very normal. It honestly kind of reminds me of, um, have you watched the TV show? What we do in the shadows? No, but I do know what the cast looks like. Okay. So there's, um, Colin Robinson and Colin Robinson is a psychic vampire and he has this ability to drain real blood drinking vampires and anyone else. Like he just drains people of their energy by like boring them to death or like irritating them or trolling people. And he dresses extremely normal. Like he is just as average as you could get. Like, but you can, even the way that they portray him in the show, you're like creeped out by him and you're, 
immediately, like maybe it's just because I'm a hypersensitive person. But every time I watch the show and he starts talking, I'm like, oh, God, let it be over. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sort of that that normality on the surface is so much more dangerous. Like it's such like this pernicious mm-hmm. thing. Oh, so what I've just Googled and uh, I don't know if I can send this to you. Maybe I'll just email it to you real quick. This guy that I was talking to, what what he really reminded me of and what he actually kind of looked like. Um, are you familiar with somebody named Indrid Cold? No. Um, so in the Mothman prophecies, which was a book and subsequently a movie, um, the whole Mothman thing starts off with a visitor from an alien that identifies itself as Indrid Cole. Mm-hmm. And just to this, this random guy who, who just met him one day, he was like a, a sewing machine repairman or, or something. So this guy, Indrid Cold, basically just shows up and he has this big smile and he asks really weird questions like, what did he ask him? He, he asked him like what year it is or, oh God, I had to look that up again. But the, it, he seemed to not know where he was or what time mm-hmm. he was in. And he said something very strange after, after he talked to the guy and he told him, I'll see you in time. Mm-hmm. And then he left. Mm. And I heard just being like, nope, 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 nope. Right, right. Yeah, creepy stuff. So what did you do after that encounter? Did you like clean it up, clean up yourself? Like I scrubbed myself so hard in the shower. <laughs> I know, right? I was just like, nope, nope, nope. Um, but yeah, so he definitely had this really intense sort of Indrid cold. Because these are all drawings that they made um, based on this guy's description of, of what he looked like. So that's it, it was very much that same sort of face shape. He had that very kind of pointy face. He had the big smile, um, which you also see, too, in, in a lot of weird supernatural phenomenon. Like there's there's the grinning man. There's um, there's a spirit, too. And you were talking earlier about how, like, when you get into these thought loops with your anxiety or whatever, that it kind of creates this energy that mm-hmm. things show up around. One of the creatures that I come across very frequently in my paranormal work is one that I have come to simply call Clyde. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a pet name. Um, and he is the the top hat man, which is this very tall, kind of skinny, but also very well-dressed um, man that shows up and haunts people around that time. And he really likes to show up uh, when people are going through like mental health crises, whether it's like intense anxiety or depression. Um, he really loves to give people nightmares and he lives in mirrors too, which is really weird. So yeah, so Clyde is is one that I've come across a lot, but he also very much sort of fits that description. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know too much about the classification and like breaking these non-human humans down. These um, maybe we, I don't want to say they're necessarily infiltrating. I think that's a very like human centric kind of a view on things even though i think they've been here right yeah they've been here since the dawn of time since we have been here and crawled up out of the oceans with our weird fish hands right with our weird fish hands and now it's just like (laughs) existential crisis (laughs) 24 7 but it is really hard to get out of like a human-centric 
worldview mm-hmm. if you are a human being. You know, it's kind of hard to like, you can do it through exercise to like understand the reality of a rock or a lichen or an ant and what their worldview might be. It's an interesting exercise, but it is difficult to kind of like pull up out of that space. So you scrubbed yourself thoroughly after this encounter. I did as well after my encounter. What can folks do to protect themselves like on the date? Well, maybe we shouldn't get into like on the daily, but more like what to do after you encounter a person like this Um, and how to like clean that off of you and lay down some strong protection after being very vulnerable and kind of like blindsided by such an encounter. Yeah. So I I think in, in this preparation is a huge part of it. And I'm not saying, of course you have to be freaked out and preparing to fight alien people every day, but just simply having healthy routine psychic protection happening every day is going to be important because if you don't have that, it's it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it mm-hmm. all the time. So if, you know, something does happen, you're going to be way more prepared. I know that if I didn't have such intense shields up and wasn't able to multitask and build those at the same time that I'm talking to him, that that interaction may have gone very differently. And I'm, and I, I, I can't honestly tell you how it would have been different. I honestly don't want to think about how it would have been different, but just simply being prepared is going to be good. But after that, just energetic cleansing, because it's still, even if it's, you know, people think that things like magic and extraterrestrials are very different groups, but they're not, they go together uh, very easily. And so you know, your regular cleansing things that you do for yourself, whether that's going to be like a spiritual bath or, or, you know, smoke cleansing or whatever it is, all of those things are going to be good. Any of those things that you can do are going to be helpful because it's still on the same playing field. Even if the tools are different or the language around it is different, it's still going to all work on the same plane that you need it to. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense at all. It does. The other thing that I've noticed too, because I used to work, I won't say where, but I used to work in a bakery and we had a client who liked to come in every so often who was one of these. And the first time she came in, I about pissed my pants because she snuck up on me and I turn around and she's just like there. Um, And she has like these huge green eyes and she's talking to me and I'm like, I had to choke down because the the first thing that I wanted to do was turn around and say, get out of here. Because that was my immediate reaction was like, leave, like get out of here. Like, I don't want you in here. But then you have to remember too, that you're an employee in a, in a uh, customer service based industry. So I hung out there for a minute, but then I put up magical protection and I found that she would stay away. Mm-hmm. You can also do, I do kind of like this mental magic of binding someone. So if I knew she was coming in, like if I could see her parking and heading over to where I was working, I could mentally cast a spell to bind her while she was in there. And then that meant that her tentacles stayed to herself. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. We talk about some foundational witchcraft practices and we talk about setting boundaries and uh, protection in, I think it's episode five. It's called foundational witchcraft practices. So if you want to go back and listen to that to protect yourself, like pre-gaming a possible encounter, I mean, you can never know when you're going to encounter something like this. And then we're not trying to fear a monger here either, but it does happen. And I think having that practice of set of like strong boundaries, like understanding your own energy, how to contain it, keep it protected and building relationship with your spirit allies can really help you if you do encounter somebody like that. And I know like I wear physical protection, like I wear a mercury dime and I have a couple of pieces, talismans that I keep on my person. I also have like tattoos, like imbued in my skin to protect me (laughs) and whatnot. And I know that that really does help. And like the spirit allies part of that too, like my spirit familiars. Oh man, they got that shit on lock. Like they're like fucking ready to rumble. Let's go. (laughs) They are ready to rock and roll. They are. But after an encounter, so like after the encounter I had with that human eating person, we went back and I like got, we got undressed and I just doused Florida water and went from head, from head to toe and went down. And we just like very vigorously like, we didn't have access to a shower where we were living at the time we were living like in a backwoods mm. off-grid situation <laughs> as you do as you do in Oregon so we did that and then we just smoke bombed ourselves we like we were living in an airstream at the time so we just kind of like locked the airstream up and just burned a ton of western red cedar and just cut boxed ourselves and just like cleaned it all up and then after that we applied protection oil something to protect us. And it was like something like a holy guardian angel. Like we went straight to Jesus. <laughs> yep. You, you gotta, you need Jesus, bring it in, yeah. help us Jesus. So yeah, if y'all Ooh, like encounter yes. anything like that, there's some steps to help clean yourself up. It's not, it doesn't have to be complicated, but definitely like after something like that happens, clean yourself up. Yeah. It's, Yeah, get it off of you because these things, they linger. There's a very particular stink. And something too that I want to mention as well is this feeling that we're getting from these beings is not the same thing as the feeling of evil. That is different. So I've come across people too where I'm like, oh, you are an evil person. Like, so there are kind of, you know, not human humans that. I think are less extraterrestrial, but some of them are more like just here to cause pain and suffering. Um, I, I've been watching evil a lot lately and the character of Leland um, it is very much something that I think exists in the world or just these people that are here with the specific mission to cause that. And I, I and I think this is different from that. Mm-hmm. It's a very foreign, very strange energy That's, again, not necessarily evil, but it's very unpleasant. Right. Yeah. Well, we hope that we did not creep you out too much today, y'all. But we also (laughs) gave you some, yeah, we also gave you some tools to help mitigate these creepy encounters with non-human humans. So you guys stay safe out there. 
stay safe on the bus, bring your protection with you, because these creepy creepers are indeed very real, and hopefully you will never have to deal with them. So, Right. Alrighty, y'all. Until next time. Do witchcraft. Do witchcraft. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there. 